Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Uh, back in January, the first week of January, we started looking at the book of Genesis. We looked at Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and how God created everything, how God created you and me, and how God, everything that God created was good. The following week, we looked at Genesis chapter 3 when all of that good stuff got ruined by the serpent, by the enemy, by sin, by the fall of man, and the impact that that has on us. Uh, last week, we were not here because of the by-guy weather, but we're here today, by-guy. Um, however, if you have access to a smartphone, we put our, our messages online, not video form, but just the audio form. If you listen to music on Spotify, you can go on Spotify and you can now search for Central Westland Church. You will see our logo pop up and you can listen to this right here through the Spotify app, or you can download the Podbean app, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, search for Central Wesleyan, and you can listen through that way as well. Um, so if you want to hear last week's message about Genesis chapter 6 and about Noah and the ark and the sin and all that stuff, it is on there. You can go on Spotify or the Podbean app and find it there. But last week was about the sin of the world, how wicked, how terrible the world was. It shows how bad things got from Genesis 3, from the time that sin entered the world, to Genesis 6. God was simply fed up with the sin of everybody, and he, the word says that he regretted that he made humans. And so his plan was to wipe everybody out except for Noah. Genesis 6 and Genesis 7, well, the whole flood story, Genesis 6 through, through 9, 6 through 10, really, is all about the world's sin and the faith of Noah. Um, and that's what we talked about last week. This week, we're going to skip ahead to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to be looking at Genesis 12 and chapter 13. And we'll be continuing the thought of what faith looks like and, and, and how faith can, can work in our lives. But before we do, let me kind of give you some background on Genesis 12 and 13. Genesis 12 and 13 is all about Abraham. When you read Genesis 12 and 13, his name is Abram, but it's Abraham. It's just later on God, God changes his name from Abram to Abraham. So over the next 20 minutes, you will hear me call him Abram and Abraham. Just know I'm talking about the same guy, right? Like you will hear people call me Michael, and you may hear someone call me Stud. <laughs> same person. Right, Kelly? What, TJ? <laughs> TJ told me earlier that my belly is almost as big as Callie's. Somebody better bless him. He ain't going to have nowhere to live pretty soon. All right, so Genesis 12 and 13 uh, is about Abraham. Uh, Genesis 12 starts off with God's call to Abraham. God simply calls Abraham to follow him. 
to leave his house, to leave his city, to leave his family, and to simply follow him. God didn't tell him where he was going. God didn't say, I want you to go here and then there and then take that road down there and then go across the lake there. No, God simply said, Abraham, follow me. I will bless you. I will make you a blessing. I will increase your number. You will be a father of many people, of many nations. I just need you to follow me. Abraham, being an obedient and faithful person, said, I'm in. I'll go. He packed up all of his possessions. He packed up his wife, Sarah, and his nephew, Lot, and he simply followed God wherever that was. That's Genesis 12, 1 through 9. We're going to pick up in verse 10, um, and we see three things in the rest of Genesis 12 and Genesis 13. We see that Abraham's faith was tested. Abraham's faith was tested. We're going to talk about three things that tested Abraham's faith. We, uh, before we do, let me say this. There is a difference between a test and temptation, right? There's a difference between you're having a faith test and your faith being tempted, right? If you don't know, let me share it with you. The difference is this. When temptation comes, it comes to tear down your faith, right? It comes to take away your faith. It comes to tear you down. When a test comes, when a faith test comes, it comes to build you up. It comes to help you out. It may not look like it's helping you out because everybody knows that's ever been to one day of school, tests are not fun. Correct? Especially if you've got a bad teacher. Especially, let me rephrase. Especially if you did not study for said test. Right? Am I right? I am right. I hate your school tests as well. <laughs> tests are here to build you up. They show you, faith tests are here to show you what you need to do. They're here to show you what God wants to work on in your life. Faith tests come to show you maybe you need to change some priorities. Maybe you need to look at your trust in God. Maybe you need to look at your friends you're hanging out with. Maybe you need to change some things in your life. You will never know what needs to change. You will never grow in your faith without having a faith test. One author says a untested faith is a failure faith, meaning this. Unless you go through a test, how do you know if you really believe? Does that make sense? Unless you've gone through a struggle, unless you go through a valley, unless you go through a trial, unless you go through a test, how do you really know that I'm trusting in the Lord? So temptations come to tear you down. Tests, faith tests come to build you up. There's a big difference between the two. Genesis chapter 12 and 13 we see Abraham was tested by three different things. Uh, we're going to pick up reading in verse 10. Now remember, verses 1 through 9 is God's call. Abraham follows, packs up his stuff, and he follows. Uh, then we get to verse 10, says this. Now there was a famine in the land. Stop. Verses 1 through 9, God calls, Abraham follows. Verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. You mean to tell me that God was following Abraham, that Abraham was following God, <laughs> got my words backwards, that Abraham was following God, verses 1 through 9, left everything, obeyed, he's in the will of God, he's doing what God wants him to do. And you get to verse 10, 
now there was a famine in the land. One of the things that tested Abraham's faith and one of the things that I believe will test your faith is life circumstances. Life circumstances. Like a famine that comes to where the land that Abraham is at. You know what else is a life circumstance that will test your faith? COVID. Right? Think back to the past year. You were sitting here a year ago. We were all in here hanging out, having a good time, talking about the Super Bowl from last year, thinking, man, this is going to be the great year. 2020, it's the year of visions, what everybody was saying. Yeah, well, your vision ended up being your home because you didn't leave your home all year. But 2020 is a year of vision, going to be the best year ever. God's got stuff for me. I'm going to see it. And then by April, the end of March and all of April 2020 just got shaken up and poured out onto our world through a virus called COVID. Now, here's the deal with uh, circumstances. When we are tested through circumstances, we don't ask for it, right? Did anybody ask to be in quarantine this year, last year? No. Anybody ask to have their jobs lost last year? Anybody ask for isolation and depression last year? Anybody ask for sickness and death last year? Circumstances come, circumstances happen, and they're things that we don't ask for. They're things that we don't have any control over. We can't help when it comes. We can't help how it comes. All we know is that circumstances, life circumstances, has the ability to simply kick you in the face. And when that happens, your faith in the Lord will be tested. We've all gone through struggles, we've all gone through troubles that we had no control over, that we didn't go out seeking, that we didn't go out looking for them. Here we see Abraham was following God, was in the will of God, and then a famine came on the land. The temptation for us is to believe that God wouldn't do that, would he? Would he? Abraham was in the will of God. He was doing what God wanted him to do. He left everything he had, packed up his stuff, had his wife, had his nephew, following God, and then ran into life circumstances, ran into a famine. Here is the deal, my friends. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Whether you are in the will of God or not in the will of God, life is tough, right? Whether you're following the Lord or you're not following the Lord, life is hard. Life has a way of kicking you in the face. Life itself has the way of testing your faith, whether you're following the Lord or not. Now, let me tell you this. Trials, tests, always work hand in hand with triumphs, right? Trials work with triumphs. You can't have a victory without a test, right? You can't have a victory, you can't have a triumph without a trial. They work hand in hand. If there was ever a human being, a person that was on this earth that deserved the easiest life ever in the history, that deserved the most most protective and the most blessed life ever in the history of the world, it would be Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But that's not what we see in the scriptures, is it? 
what we see in the scriptures is Jesus Christ in the will of God, doing the will of his Father in heaven. We see him struggle. We see him being abandoned. We see him being left alone. We see him being turned over to the police. We see him in poverty. We see him being homeless. We see him being beaten and ultimately died on a cross. If there was ever a person that deserved a scot-free, beautiful, easy life, it would be the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. However, if Jesus can go through tough times, I don't know why today in 2021, there's a lot of people today thinking, if I'm following God, I ain't going through that. I follow God so that I wouldn't go through that. If God was really with me, if God really loved me, he wouldn't let me go through COVID. No. Maybe, just maybe, you're going through that. You're going through that test and that trial so that God can set you up for the triumph, so that God can set you up for the victory, so that God can testing your faith. God is showing you how strong he is. God is showing you how wise he is. God is showing you how loving he is. And you're going through this not so that it tears you down. You're going through this so that it simply builds you up. Think about with me about the history of Israel. Think about the Israelites in the book of Exodus. We see trials and we see triumphs coming one right after the other. When they were delivered from slavery, you know, Pharaoh and the ten plagues and Moses and that whole story. When they were delivered from slavery, they walked out of Egypt free as could be. Walked out of Egypt, walked straight into what? What was the first obstacle they faced? Who remembers? It's got to do with water. The Red Sea. They walked straight to the Red Sea. When they got to the Red Sea, what happened? They realized, oh no. These boys are coming. Pharaoh's army's coming. Pharaoh's chariots are coming. They had victory of getting out of Egypt, followed by the test of Pharaoh chasing them down. So what happened? God showed his power. God proved his power. He split the Red Sea. They walked across on dry ground. When the chariots and when Pharaoh's boys got there, the water started flowing, wiped them out. Victory is always followed by a test. Once they had the victory at the Red Sea, Exodus 15, the next thing happened, they had no food. They had no water. They had nothing to drink. God provided with a spring and a piece of wood that was thrown into the water to turn that bitter water fresh so that they could drink it. Victory is always followed by a test. Exodus chapter 16, what happened after they didn't have any water? They didn't have any food. So what happened? God provided, sent them manna from heaven because victory is always followed by a test. What happened after they didn't have any food and God provided? Well, there's a group of people called the Amalekites. They didn't like the Israelites, so they wanted to jump on them and kill them and take them over. What happened? God gave them victory, defeated the Amalekites. Victory is always followed with a test. Please know today that victory triumph is always works with trials and a test. 
Those tests are not here to tear you down. They're not here to take you over. The struggles that you're facing today in 2021 are not here to take you out. They're here to build you up. James says it this way in James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James says, consider it joy when your faith is tested. Those are two words you don't see a lot together. Joy and trials. Joy and testing. James says, what you're going through is good. It's good for you. Your faith is tested. You're going to come out better. You're not going to come out bitter. You're not going to come out torn down. You're not going to come out less. James says you will come out mature, not lacking anything. I believe you come out confident. Why will you come out confident? Because God got you through it. God helped you beat that test. God led you through that trial so that, remember, once you have that victory and the next test comes, guess what? You have confidence in the Lord because he did it then, he will do it now. What you are going through today will not end in your defeat. If it's going through in faith, it will end in your victory because God is using it to build you up, not to tear you down. Amen? Amen. Number two. Number two. The second thing we see that tests Abraham's faith is people. I've got a lot of stories I could tell you, but I choose not to because I love you. And I've forgiven people. <laughs> Can I get an amen on people will test your faith? Before we even read this story here, can I get an amen? Lord, y'all, I've always said, uh, anytime you work with people, I don't care if you're working at a clothing store, if you're working at a bank, if you're working at a church, it doesn't matter. Anytime you're working with people, oh, you're in for it. I think I'd rather work with dogs. I'd rather be a dog sitter. That's not true. I love people. But people get on my nerves sometimes. They get on your nerves. Not y'all. Mainly those people over at Foster Street. Can I just be honest? Those Duke fans over there. We're all sanctified Tar Heel fans in this place. Right, Hubbard? I see that. I see you. I see you. All right, let's read here. Genesis 12. Keep reading. Uh, we'll start uh, verse 11. Genesis 12, 11. So they had a famine. Abraham took Lot and his wife Sarah, and they went to Egypt to find some food. Verse 11. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake. And my life will be spared because of you. Verse 14. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarah was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abraham well for her sake, 
And Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. So here we see Abraham being worried that Pharaoh will like his wife and will kill him. So he tells his wife, Sarah, tell them you are my sister so they will not kill me. Can I tell you today that I have felt the same way? I feel like there are times when Callie and I are out, people are looking at us because she is hot. She's good looking. She's gorgeous. She's got it going on, as we used to say. However, I've never been tempted to tell anybody she's my sister. Especially not that she's pregnant. Can I ask a question without anybody getting mad at me? Anybody here from West Virginia? Just checking. I love West Virginia. If I had to live anywhere else other than North Carolina, it would be West Virginia. Probably. Okay. So we see Abraham's faith tested through people. We see the Egyptians and we see Pharaoh testing his faith because, remember, the whole thing went down with Sarah because he was scared of the Egyptians and scared of Pharaoh, scared of what they may do to him because of his wife. People will test your faith. There are three things that we see just in this little section here with Abraham, three changes that were made in Abraham's life during his test with people. Number one, Abraham went from trusting the Lord to scheming against man. He went from trusting the Lord to scheming against man. Remember uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 9, we see Abraham in full trust of the Lord, following the Lord wherever he calls, packing up everything at his house, his family, going out to an unknown place, trusting God completely, following the Lord. And here we see all of a sudden Abraham's trust in the Lord is not there. He's not trusting God to take care of him while he is in Egypt. What he decided to do is he got a plan. I got a plan. You know what the word scheming means, right? It's trying to work it out the way you want it to work out, right? I used to be a pretty good schemer. TJ's working on it. TJ's getting there. TJ's getting to be pretty good. It's not a good thing at all, but he's he's working on it. Abraham, instead of trusting God to lead him and to protect him while in Egypt, he said, I got a plan. I'm going to work this thing out myself. I'm going to work this thing out myself. He started using human wisdom. He started using earthly wisdom to do something for him that only God could do for him. Only God is the God that can protect and lead and guide and take care of. Instead of him letting God do what God does, he wanted to do what God is supposed to do. How many times in our life today have we got ourselves in trouble? Have you got yourself in trouble when you try to do God's job for you in your life? How many times today can you look back over your life and say, man, God should have handled that. I should have let God handle that for me. But instead, I wanted to do it my way. I wanted to make sure I had a hand in it. I didn't want to fully trust, fully obey, fully be all in. I didn't want to fully follow and let God do for me whatever God wanted to do for me. No, I had to do a little bit of it myself. That's where we see Abraham. Abraham goes from trusting God 
to scheming against man. Number two, we see that Abraham goes from confidence to fear. Confidence to fear. Genesis 12, 1 through 9, he had total confidence in the Lord. He had so much confidence in the Lord that he would follow the Lord anywhere without a road map, without any foreknowledge of what may happen. I'm in. And then we see here in Genesis, later on in Genesis 12 that Abraham was feel, filled with fear. He was filled with fear because he thought the Egyptians and Pharaoh would kill him. And he even told Sarah, he said, tell him you're my sister so that it would go well for me, for my sake, for my sake. You tell them you're my sister. Fear is in a a, uh, direct opposition to faith. Fear is in direct opposition to faith. They're clashing head on. They're fighting head on. They're headbutting all the time. You cannot have both. Neither one can be, both of them cannot be at the top of your priority list. It is impossible to serve God out of faith and to live in the world in fear. Faith and fear are butting each other's heads in people's lives today. There's a wonderful story in Mark chapter 4. It is the story where Jesus was in the boat. The disciples were in the boat. A big storm come up on the water, and the disciples were scared to death, thinking they were going to die. Jesus gets up, calms the storm, and in verse 40, he says what? Anybody remember? Why are you so fearful? Do you still not have faith? Fear and faith do not live together. It's impossible. Faith in God, trust in God to take care of any of our fears that we may have so that those fears are no longer fears. They turn into God taking care of us. The last thing we see, the last shift The last change we see in Abraham here in this section is he went from thinking about others to thinking about himself. Um, Anytime we are are tested by people, it has the tendency to change us. Why does it have the tendency to change us? Because people have influence over us. There's people in our lives, hopefully there's people in your life that influence you. Hopefully they're the right people in your life that influence you. Hopefully you are living a life that's influencing someone else, right? I used to, when we, when I was doing the youth group deal, I used to tell our students all the time, I would say, your influence, your friends, there's three types of friends. And I would draw like a little circle on a board, and then I would draw a second, like a medium circle, then I would draw like a big circle, right? And then inside the little circle, I would draw a little heart. Alex, you remember this? She's not even here. Gosh, she remembers, trust me. So inside the little circle, I would draw a little heart. And here's what that meant. This, the heart is where your heart is with the Lord. Your heart belongs to the Lord and to the Lord only. That's the closest to your heart. That's what's in your heart. Jesus is in your heart. Your heart belongs to the Lord. The circle outside the heart, the little circle, that is reserved for your husband and for your wife and for your husband and for your wife only because they are the next closest thing closest to your heart. They're the next circle, the smallest circle closest to your heart. The second circle, the medium-sized circle, is for the people who are influencing you. 
It's for mom, it's for dad, it's for a family member, it's for another believer, it's for somebody in your life that has influence over you. you got to make sure that you have the right people in that middle circle. The outside circle is for people that you have influence over. It's people that you have influence over, your sons, your daughters, friends, co-workers, whatever. It's people that you have influence over. We get ourselves in trouble when we don't have the right people in the right circle. Does that make sense? When we have people that we should be influencing start influencing us because we have them in the wrong circle, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. That's when we start putting our faith in people. And once we put our faith in people, guess what? People let us down. People will let you down. If you've never experienced it, I bet you're a liar. <laughs> if you have not experienced it, let me just go ahead and give you a heads up. It's going to happen. There's going to be somebody in your life that you love and that you trust and that you put a lot of confidence and faith in. They are going to let you down. They're going to lie to you. They're going to say something that you don't like. They may do something that you don't like. People will let you down. That's why our faith, our hope, and our trust is not put in another person. It's certainly not put in a pastor of a church, but it's put in Jesus Christ, the one who will never let us down, the one who will never change, the one who was there before, like we talked about earlier, and is still with us today, the one that will never leave us nor forsake us. When we put our faith in people, once those people let us down, guess what? We've lost our faith. Abraham's faith here was tested by uh, circumstances, was tested by people, and then finally, it was tested by material things, by material things. Look at uh, Genesis 13, starting in verse 5. This was after Sarah, Lot, and Abraham left Egypt. After they got out of Egypt, we read in verse 5. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks, herds, and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling, quarreling arose between Abraham's herders and Lot's herders. See, people will test your faith. Point proven. Um, the Canaanites and Pierazites were also living in the land at that time. So Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders or mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Verse 10. Uh, Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and sailed out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain um, and pitched his tent near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were, were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Here we see Abraham tell Lot, we're, we don't want to argue. You go one way, I'll go the other way. 
Lot made his choice based on his possessions, based on the land, based on the vegetation of the land, based on where the land was. He made his choice based on his possessions. Abraham made his choice based on the Lord. He knew that wherever he was, God was going to be with him. Abraham's faith here was tested by his possessions, and he passed that test. Abraham's faith was tested by people. He failed that test. Luckily for us, any failed faith test is not beyond God's forgiveness. Any failed faith test is not beyond God's grace. We could fail our faith test today, and God is still faithful, and God is still gracious to forgive us. We see here Abraham's faith test was failed with people, but his faith test with material things was passed. As he didn't allow the material things to determine where he was going to go, he allowed God to lead him where God wanted him to go. I believe today we find ourselves facing all sorts of tests in our life. Maybe you're here this morning and you're head-to-head, face-to-face with one of the biggest tests you've ever had in your life. Or maybe you're here today, you're face-to-face with a small test or a medium-sized test. Either way, either way, here's what I want you to know. That test is not here to take you out. That test is here to build you up. Abraham faced these three tests. And if you know the rest of the story of Abraham, you know he passed his life test with flying colors. He's even known as faithful Abraham, as a friend of God. But Abraham started his faith, started his faith with these three tests. Can I encourage you today that whether you're in a struggle or a battle or a trial or a test today or when one comes up next week or one comes up next year, take that test with the vision, with the perspective that I'm not going to get tore down, but what is God trying to show me? I would hate to go through a trial. I would hate to go through a trial and not learn anything. What a waste, right? What a waste to go through the whole year of 2020 and not come out loving God more than you did in 2019. What a waste of 2020 to go through that whole year and not come out trusting God more in 2021 than we did in 2019. God doesn't send these tests. God doesn't allow these tests. You're not going through this test so that you can come out the exact same. Abraham did not come out the exact same. He failed that second one and came out better on the third one when he passed it. Please know today that your struggle, that your trial, that your test is not going to tear you down. It's only there to build you up. Amen. Let's stand together. Come on up, band. While researching this stuff with Abraham this week and reading and praying and writing and all that stuff, I came across a quote. I cannot say this. I came across a quote that said this, anytime you're in a test, anytime you're in a trial, anytime you're face-to-face with a faith test, don't be so concerned with how to get out of it. Don't be so concerned with how to get it over. Don't even be so concerned with 
How long is it going to take? However, be concerned with what can you get out of it. What can you learn about God out of this test? What's God trying to show you in this test? What's God trying to speak to you in this test? What do you need to learn about yourself in this test? What areas of your life do you need to change and to adjust and to to switch up during this test? A faith test will not take you out. It will only build you up. Amen? Let's pray together.